presenting to you the interactive space for critical and objective open thinking with Martian UFO produced by Martian UFO Media the best podcast on air with your hearty host catch episodes weekly on Apple and Spotify podcasts Welcome to Floating in Space with Martian UFO. You know who I am. You know what the show's about. You know what we do here. So allow me uh, to get right into it. And I have many things to speak on today. Mainly um, beginning with some news, some exciting things about the podcast. It's an exciting time right now. Um... I've just recently signed a network deal with a new company called uh, Suit and Tie, um, and they are based out of uh, Alberta, and they help, I guess, people like me and other media personalities and people who are trying to build platforms to uh, gain a bigger following. Um, I mean, you can imagine what kind of things you could start doing when you have a network backing you now and you have more um, media clout than just yourself. So this is a good thing. I appreciate that, you know, somebody has taken the effort to go ahead and listen and then go forward to give me some uh, um, return on my investment in myself. So that's awesome. And also would just like to announce, you know, that many new listeners and another surprise this week I'm about to turn this shit legit, meaning that I am getting my business number, license, all that kind of stuff, which will allow me to actually record people because there's an ironic thing about when you go and you have listeners or or people on to debate you and then to be recorded and to have their basically intellectual property after they leave. If they decide that they don't like what was said on the recording afterwards, the fact that it's public now means that I need people to get to sign uh, consent forms and things like that. I have to be legitimate. And that's um, that's what's happening as of tomorrow. And that's going to be awesome because I know some of you like to get on here. Um, I was engaging with people yesterday concerning the 2020 election. And so today... I'm going to be spending time talking about the aftermath, my opinion, what I think, what I think is going to happen. You know, I'm glad for the crowd that showed up on Facebook yesterday at my posts for the support for the uh, 
contention for the people who were not in agreement with things that I was saying. And I hope that these people, I won't name them, but I hope that they uh, would take the chance to come on here and debate with me about their opinions. Because at the end of the day, that's just, uh, that's what it is, right? That's your opinion versus my opinion and being able to have a healthy conversation about it and um, to be feeling okay at the end of the day about the results. Because as I said, part of something that I saw on Facebook is that the powers that be really decide. The people at the top, the people who are the elite elite, um, they decide basically what we pay attention to and the emotions that we decide to feel about what we're watching on the media and social media and all that type of bullshit. Anyways, um, I have here in front of me some articles and things that I'm going to go into based on uh, based upon uh, things that people said to me on Facebook, things that I thought were interesting, and even things that I said concerning how I thought it was ironic that a bunch of black people are on here celebrating Biden and Kamala Harris and the Biden presidency and the fact that he <clears throat> supposedly won. So CNN announced that Biden won the 2020 presidential election. And before I begin into that, actually, let me let me start by saying that it should be fully known now that Martian UFO, yes, is a Donald Trump supporter. I don't support everything that he stands for, but I think that if I look at myself, and I look at uh, the Republican Party platform versus the Democratic Party platform, which I have both in front of me as well, actually. And I look at um, my views and you try and um, kind of layer them into Canadian politics. I would be a conservative for sure. I'm not a liberal. I don't really believe in <clears throat> socialism, communism, the taking away of our rights and uh, higher taxes and government handouts. But that's all just, uh, that's a lot of different topics, right? What I'm going to speak on today concerns just the aftermath, what I think will happen, because everybody believes now that because they announced that Biden won, that this week as if he's going to be moving into the White House and Trump's going to be out and leaving. Um, I watched a video, a real good video, actually, about uh, an insider who knew who was uh, an operative-based officer who was kind of running around doing his own thing for the Republican Party. Basically, he says that Trump knows everything that was going to play out. He predicted it uh, properly. There was voter fraud that was committed. And basically what's going to happen is this thing is going to go to the Supreme Court. They will decide. <clears throat> right, there's an article that was uh, reports that in about 47 or 48 of the states they used uh, um, tampered uh, or faulty equipment to count the votes in some states they were doing hand count votes um, I watched a video in which there was a woman who was filling blank ballots or something and there was a guy that was just standing there watching her for about an hour that had the security there who was protecting her which shows that um, some people are in on it and actually the first article that i'm going to go into here talks about a democrat operative blowing the whistle on massive uh, mail-in voting fraud operation so this is uh insider information that i have in front of me most people so when people start talking about 
conspiracy and all that's fake news, fake information. We have facts and source to back up what we say, which is why, <clears throat> you know, I'm glad actually that I didn't, I didn't have too many um, emotional comments to deal with on Facebook. Not too many people came at me and then, you know, told me that I was wrong. I had healthy comments and people offering their opinions and providing healthy points. And I was glad to comment with everybody except for one person who didn't really bring anything of value, just wanting to <clears throat> act as if they knew something, um, which I'm not going to say that they didn't. But hey, if you feel some way, if you feel like you have something to say, say it. Let's uh, let's get to the middle ground of our, our feelings, because I don't really I try not to deal in feelings. I try to deal with logic. Sometimes I get caught up with um, the latter and I get into my feelings about certain things. The status that I made about black people bowing to the knees of the Democrats certainly would come out of my feelings, right? But we can back that shit up too with how the Democrat party, why would black people support the Democrat party with its history of racism? We don't know, but we're going to read on it. Let's see. <clears throat> So the first article, and actually first, let me slow down. Let me set the mood here. It's Sunday. It's the day of rest, November 8th. And <clears throat> God made the world on the, <laughs> on the seventh day he took rest. And so here we are, not working too hard. I have hope beside me, my trusty cat. I'm looking outside at a nice big window of uh, the current weather conditions that we have here. Hopefully everybody's safe. There was a, a story that I also read about um, a 30 vehicle collision on Highway 3 that happened sometime this evening. They had it cleared by around 5 or 6 p.m. and the highway's open again. But I pray for these people, people that were taken into uh, um, hospitals or whatever, that they're doing okay. And I pray for people that are out driving right now or have to be up uh, to go somewhere important like work in the morning such as myself i hope that we all make it to where we need to go that um we can bear these winter conditions and uh <clears throat> suffer together right um not try to go through these things alone because these are going to be trying times and you're right right the status that i read or that i wrote sorry uh all i said was that this is uh if, if Biden and Kamala do get into office, it's going to be a tragic, tragic, tragic time for people. And that came from one place. A lot of people didn't really understand um, what my feeling was when I said that. And the stuff that we spoke about on the, on the status and in the comments were different from how I was feeling about the fact that we've already had one lockdown for, I would say, what, maybe a couple of weeks, months, two months or a month over here in our little town or whatever um biden if he gets into office if he is uh, able and free to enact his his policy plans the first thing that he wants to do is lock down the united states for um for this foreseeable year 
for all of 2021 to make sure that we can curve um, this coronavirus, the COVID-19, which, <clears throat> right, I'm not going to speak on it right now, but right, I, 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 I've looked at enough sources, I've had enough information that I would go on a limb to say now that COVID-19 does not exist, but I can let somebody come and attack me for that at some point. Anyways, yeah, he wants to lock down the country. He wants to raise taxes significantly in places like California, New York, Washington. Um, and people think that these things don't have a, um, a backlash effect on places like Alberta or, or Canada, the whole country, right? <clears throat> what does Canada do when um, things are happening globally? They follow suit of other countries. When the United States locked down, we locked down. If they lock down again, we lock down. You think people can handle a lockdown for a year? To be in, and based on things that I've read on the Canadian lockdown, it's about to be bad strict in terms of being able to leave your house or having a reason to leave your house. Um, the social distancing, the mass, I mean, they're about to come hard and heavy on people. And I'm just really me. <laughs> My position at this point is that I'm going to be a, a passive observer for the current moment because y'all know that I don't really fuck with the masks. Um, I am not down with microchipping or a vaccine. I just said that I don't believe that COVID is real in terms of it being an actual virus that you can catch. And um, <clears throat> I think it's more a virus in the mind and trying to control people and get people to fall in line and just give up their freedoms willingly, right? Anyways, I could speak on that shit forever, but I said what I said, and I prayed for people that have to travel and have to be out on these shitty ass roads. You know, this is the second snowfall of, of the year. Let me just remind people of 2020. It's not even actually um, winter yet by, by the statistics. It's not winter. And we're just heading into, you know, the heart of November. And um, this is what it's looking like. So, I mean, people better prepare for when we hit December, January, February. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, so, yes, this article that I have in front of me talking about the Democrat operative that blows, uh, blew the whistle, sorry, on the massive mail-in voting fraud operation and what the Democrats plan to do and what they did do and the things that happened um, during this last week. So, <clears throat> a Democrat operative who worked covertly in a massive border fraud operation blew the whistle to New York Post reporter John Levine. And this post actually was written on uh, September the 1st, 2020. So this is a little bit backdated and I will be honest with people. You know, this isn't something that's um, written uh, super recently it's only two months old from where we are right now so we can still take it for um, <clears throat> merit it says that uh, you know and revealed how Democrats will try to steal the 2020 election with their mail-in vote scheme because remember um, people who didn't see the the map the election map on the day of the election and and which states were lighting up blue or red a lot of these swing states uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania, and they're talking about, I think Georgia might have been one, um, states that really had a lot of electoral votes 
not just votes of the people, the popular vote. Um, I'm pretty sure Trump was ahead in, in all the in most of these states. Trump had Michigan. Trump definitely had Pennsylvania. And then suddenly Biden wins Pennsylvania. Suddenly Biden has Michigan. How does that happen? Well, we're going to speak about that. Um, the insider revealed how Democrats uh, rig elections by paying homeless vi- voters, taking advantage of elderly in nursing homes, fraudulently posing as registered voters, <clears throat> printing up phony ballots and actually removing real ballots from envelopes and replacing them with counterfeit ballots. And we know that this is actually that, that's true because the, the uh, inside operative who was on the video that I watched, he talked about how the Republican Party Every single ballot that they sent out this year had a watermark on it. A, uh, the, can't remember what the, I, think, I don't want to mess it up. I'll just say that it was a, water, a watermark that they put on each ballot, um, letting them know um, where every ballot went, which ballot actually got put in, if a ballot got thrown out. Um, <clears throat> they were able to um, gain statistical data telling them whether or not uh, the election actually went um, the way that it was supposed to go. Anyways, uh, it says a Democrat insider who spoke to Levine on the condition of anonymity said fraud is more the rule than the exception. What do you think that means? That means that they cheat and lie as the rule. It's not something that they, they just they, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> They innately lie and cheat when it comes to elections. And people that are um, on the outside watching us, right, that are not even in that country, and then the voters who live in the country, they, um, they're they just pawns, right? They toy with the black people to try and get the black vote. They toy with the women to try and get the suburban women's vote. It's, um, it's a whole show. It's a game. We're all a part of it. That's the point. So he says, this is a real thing, the insider said, and there's going to be a fucking war coming November 3rd over this stuff. It already looks like it. I know people are kind of scared right now. People aren't really going online and looking at videos of what's happening down in the States, but it's war. People are going mad, crazy, and it hasn't even really been fully declared yet. I will say that we're not really there, right? Until Biden, until people see him in the White House and they see Trump out of the White House, hasn't happened yet and people think that trump is putting up a fight because he's um um, not able to take the fact that he lost and all that kind of stuff he's just being emotional no you think this isn't a man who's had inside intelligence the whole time like um i'll continue on with what we're reading it says if they knew how the sausage was made they could fix it. I don't know what that means, but that's that's in the article. The whistleblower is a Bernie Sanders supporter who has been working in a massive vote fraud operation for decades. <clears throat> this stuff happens. This is how the show works. So via the New York, uh, the New York Post, sorry, the political insider who spoke on condition of anonymity because he fears prosecution said fraud is more the rule than it would be exception. His dirty work has taken him through the weeds of municipal and federal elections in Patterson, Atlantic City, Camden, Newark, uh, Hoboken, and Hudson County. And his fingerprints, <clears throat> his fingerprints, sorry guys, can be found in local legislative, mayoral, and congressional races across the Garden State. 
Some of the biggest names and highest office holders in New Jersey have benefited from his tricks. According to campaign records, the Post reviewed an election that is swayed by 500 votes, 1,000 votes. It can make a difference, the tips have said. It can be enough to flip states, right? Because that's what happened. Biden didn't win uh, unanimously. You saw states that were red get flipped to blue in a matter of hours overnight. And then we wondered what happened. <clears throat> Before I looked into the info that I did, that kind of showed me more so what was happening. I thought that it was going to be a landslide for Trump. And I was surprised to see that, you know, Trump was pretty much behind the whole time in terms of the, the vote count. And then he, his votes pretty much uh, were at a standstill while Biden's votes kept being counted and going up. And I'm wondering how this is happening. Well, uh, the whistleblower whose identity, rap sheet, and long history working as a consultant to various campaigns are confirmed by the Post says he not only changed ballots himself over the years, but led teams of fraudsters and mentioned at least or mentored at least uh, 20 operators in New Jersey, New York and Pennsylvania, a critical 2020 swing state. We know that mail-in voting can be complicated, tough enough that 84,000 New Yorkers had their mailed votes thrown out in the June 23rd Democratic presidential primary for incorrectly filling them out. So they checked this shit. <clears throat> But for political pros, they're a uh, piece of cake. In New Jersey, for example, it begins with a blank mail-in ballot delivered to a registered voter in a large envelope. Inside the jacket is a return envelope, a certificate of mail-in voter, which the voter must sign on the ballot itself. The insider explained to Levine how he and his fellow operatives make phony mail-in ballots by running ballots through a copy machine. Well... <clears throat> interesting um there's no watermark or stamp on the ballots even though the republican party had watermark on every one of their ballots uh, the insider said but the return envelopes are impossible to recreate so they had to be collected then a staff got to work tampering with the envelopes <clears throat> the operatives would knock on doors and collect completed ballots by convincing voters they would mail them on their behalf so you got a bunch of lazy people at home got a guy shows up to the door he says hey if you guys got some mail-in ballots i'll take them and i'll mail them in for you free of charge the operators would then take the sealed envelopes and hold them over boiling water you have to steam it to loosen the glue said the insider they would remove the ballots then replace them with the counterfeit ballot and reseal the envelope the uh, whistleblower told john levine that sometimes postal employees are in on the scam yes the tipster says sometimes, uh, yeah, I repeated that. So you have a postwoman who is a rabid anti-Trump guy, and he's working in Bedminster as some Republican stronghold. He can take those filled out ballots and knowing 95% of them are going to a Republican, he can just throw those, throw those, he can throw those in the garbage. So <clears throat> how many um, anti-Trumpsters are there this year? How many people hate Trump based on emotion? or based on facts that they haven't uh, gone and actually fact-checked. <clears throat> Knowing that 95% of them, again, I'm gonna read that, are going to a Republican, he can just throw them in the trash, gone. Um, in some cases, mail carriers were members of his work crew and would sift ballots from the mail and hand them over to the operative. This is terrible, right? You can't have a 
fair, decent election when people are on the inside of working to do stuff like this. And I'm sure that Trump knew about it. Absolutely. Uh, the whistleblower told Levine that sometimes the nurse working inside the, uh, the inside of the elderly care facility is a paid operative and help <clears throat> help in quotation marks the elderly with their absentee ballots and literally fill it out for them. People that can't see, that don't have the strength in their fingers to hold a pencil and, or a pen to write. This is what's happening. Um, wow. The operatives will also impersonate voters in states that do not require ID by targeting registered voters who usually skip presidential elections by using publicly available information. So this is pretty easy to do. Like, um, you fill out these index cards with that person's name and district and you go around the city and say, you're going to be him, you're going to be him. The insider said of how he dispatches teams of dirty stricters <clears throat> at the polling place. The fake voter would sign in, get in line, vote, the insider said. The imposters would simply recreate the signature that already appears in the voter roll as best they could. In the rare instance that a real voter has already signed in and cast a ballot, the impersonator would just chalk it up to an innocent mistake and bolt. Hmm. The tips just said the homeless vote is a pool of reliable, viable uh, voters because there's a bunch of homeless people. Uh, with. <clears throat> with mail-in ballots, partisans from both par uh, parties hash out and count ballots at the local board of elections, debating which ballots make the cut and which need to be thrown out because of irregularities. The insider said any ballots offered up by him or his operation would come with the bent corner along the voter certificate, which contains the voter signature. So Democratic Board of Election counters would know the fix was in and not to object. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't stay bent, but you can tell it's been bent, the tipster said. Until the certificate is approved, the ballot doesn't matter. They don't get to see the ballot unless they approve the, the certificate. I invented benting corners, the uh, insider boasted, saying once the fixed ballots were mixed in with the normal ones, the bed was made. Uh, once a ballot is opened, it's an anonymous ballot. So the Democratic uh, insider just revealed precisely why the entire Democratic media apparatus is pushing for universal mail-in ballots and illegal ballot harvesting for the general election. Right? The media backs the Democratic Party to a T. Because um, I wonder who's, who's behind them, who's paying for the Democrats, right? who's paying for the media. article concerning um, voting fraud being um, committed by Democratic operatives, <clears throat> we should know, or it shouldn't be a surprise to hear that this week, um, that the election is going to go to a matter of the Supreme Court, that they will actually have to decide, and that Trump and his team of lawyers will go in and do what they do. And they're going to put this thing at a standhold for a while, right? People are going to be 
um, going antsy, crazy, waiting for information, waiting for a clear answer. And I think um, this is a time where it's going to be good for people to just stop paying attention, to not watch TV, to not be on the media looking at stuff about politics, because it's all just to toy with people, right? I think they're going to hold out. They're not going to say that, okay, well, Trump's done. Um, he's getting out of office, so they're not going to say that Biden's for sure getting into office this week anytime soon. <clears throat> and let me segue now. And let me talk about... This is interesting. So, somebody, as my cat tries to get into all my shit here, um, was talking to me. They mentioned a comment about... Um, I don't know how this came up, but the renewable, renewable green energy... Right. I, I think I mentioned I had said something about how um, if Biden and his team came in, their plan was to not really um, support oil or to keep going with oil, but to go with a lot of these renewable green energy companies. And the fact that our government, that's what they're turning to now. They want to push for green energy and I have an article in front of me again that speaks about the 100% renewable energy myth. Um, and I've seen some of this with my own eyes, so I think I read it beforehand. I think this is uh, correct in some areas. <clears throat> uh, so, we take it for granted in the world's richest and most advanced economy that things will work when we want them to. But 100% Renewable uh, and a plan would put that in jeopardy. This brief look into the intermittency, land requirements, capacity factors, cost of transition, and construction materials that limit the ability of the U.S. to adapt to 100% renewable energy. And it's speaking about the U.S., but interesting, guys. Sorry, I paused there. I'm checking it. So this is the first time, right, that I'm using my, I'm not using my phone to do this. I'm using the, the blue snowball mic. Very good mic. I hope it picks up my voice well. And I'm using the laptop and the whole set, the whole deal. I got it set up here. But this is interesting that I can only, I can record less on the laptop than I can on my phone. I can record like one to two hours on the phone. So I'm going to have to um, cut it here, start a new recording, and then continue on with the article that I was just reading. And remember, you're on floating in space with Martian UFO, so uh, we're going to keep on floating, of course. So here I am, back again. Where was I at? I was about to dive into an article uh, speaking about the 100% renewable energy myth. But now I have to pause again, guys, because during that little moment of time where I was not recording, I received a phone call from my operative manager, my boss, basically, um, telling me that um, the situation is actually, it's quite bad. You know, I don't know if I'm going to work tomorrow morning or not. I am going to be going at some point, probably not early in the morning, but what he's told me basically is that the day guard that was working today, uh, who was there 
um, from 6 a.m. this morning is still there and was probably going to have to sleep there tonight because uh, so I work out of town, right? And going out on Highway 3 past seven persons a bit, then you got to take this uh, side road, dirt kind of road or whatever that goes out, one of these um, township roads or whatever. Anyways, um, he said that there were snow drifts on this road as big as six to seven feet, that it was basically impossible for him to get out and that it would pretty much be impossible for me to get out there, right? So right now, we know that Highway 3 has been opened again. They're not advising travel. Um, and the night guard who was supposed to go and relieve um, the day guard that was there right now, he actually ended up being involved in the uh, vehicle accident collision. Uh, my manager told me that it was up to maybe 200 vehicles um, that were out there involved in this crash. and. The police aren't able to reach some of these people. The tow trucks aren't able to reach some of these people. So some of these guys are stuck out there right now still. And I think my fellow coworker, he's out there somewhere right now. He's stuck in a truck, actually. He's got a truck and he he didn't make it. So um, yeah, I pray for these people. I pray that everybody can at least make it home safe, that they're, you know, okay. and yeah, this is this is going to be a trying time for people this winter. Um, man. Um, anyways, back into the uh, the material, the task at hand, because as we know now, we only have a half hour to really dive into all the information. I won't waste you guys' time or mine. Um, so here we're going to go in, into it. It says that advocates for wind and solar energy are trying to convince Americans. And so I know that, that I said that this is pertaining to uh, America, but it relates to Canada as well because of the um, number of new initiatives that we're having and putting in for renewable energy. And a matter of fact, actually, the site at which I perform my job is... Um, the location of where they're actually building a huge uh, wind farm. And before that, during the summer, I was posted at a solar farm out in Suffield that they're building. And these projects are supposed to be taking up Canada for the next 10 years, according to another manager that I have. So we're going to be going into the renewable energy sector for a while. And this could be good, could be bad. We're definitely not really going to be looking at oil for a while and it'll be bad for Alberta. Um, We just need to brace and pray and come together according to everything that people tell us. Um, So advocates for wind and solar energy are trying to convince Americans that the economy can thrive on 100% renewable energy. However, wind and solar energy are intermittent sources that currently need backup power from reliable energy sources like coal, nuclear and natural gas to keep the lights on, keep our homes heated, and keep our fat days running. The truth is, the physics of wind and solar energy render 100% renewable energy nothing more than a myth. Um, These technologies can only operate if the sun shines or the wind blows, requiring large amounts of storage for backup. Additionally, their land mass requirements are immense. They have much lower capacity factors compared to traditional sources, and the cost of transition would be enormous. 
Bottom line, setting a national goal of relying upon 100% renewable energy within a decade would lead to catastrophe. But that's what we're doing, though, right? That's that's exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> um, intermittency, that's the first uh, point that it has. So wind and solar powers intermittency means they are not available 24-7. In fact, the Germans have a term lamenting wind and solar's uh, intermittency. I'm going to try and say this. <clears throat> Because obviously I'm not German. Um, Dunkel Flot. Fuck, I fucked that up. I know I did. Dunkel Flot. D-U-N-K-E-F-L-A-U-T-E. Um, it's got, it's, it's supposed to mean dark doldrums. Um, because we require power around the clock. There must be a backup system at all times that is either battery-based, which is extremely costly and unproven on a large scale, or provided by traditional generating units, which could be, uh, which would also be expensive since these technologies would not be operating at their maximum uh, potential, having to spread costs over a lower amount of electricity production than they are capable of producing. And who do you think is gonna pay for that? The taxpayers, us. Uh, land requirements. Uh, both wind and solar require significant amounts of land, huge amounts of land. I mean, I can't believe the amounts of land that they're um, kilometers wide, right? That they're taking to build this wind farm that I'm at. But <clears throat> based on Harvard engineering data, <clears throat> published in the environment, environmental and path letters for the US to reach 100% of its electricity through solar and wind power projects. It could require one third of the country to to be covered by solar and wind facilities, which means that um, I would say, in in respect of our country, it would probably take about the same, if not more, a third of the whole country to be converted into land that would be suitable for solar and wind facilities. Maybe even half of the country. Um, the sun. Cyclopedia estimates two and a half acres are required per one megawatt of solar panels and four acres of the outbuildings associated with industrial solar power projects are included in the estimate. That estimate is dependent upon whether solar arrays have trackers that move with the sun. If they do not, the estimate increases to six acres per one megawatt. So for wind turbines, the land acquired per megawatt of power produced varies based on their optimal position to capture the winds and the terrain that they are to occupy. So where they put them, how they set them really matters. Besides topography, setback regulations, which regulate the amount of distance that an industrial wind turbine must be placed away from homes so that noise pollution remains within legal limits, also affects the land area needed. And I think that they're going to have an issue with this because along this road where I take to get to work, there's a bunch of um, farmers and different people that live out there. They got houses and plots and stuff like that. Um, they, I guess, believe that there's not going to be much sound disturbance or they've been told by the companies that, you know, there's no chance of sound disturbance, but we're going to see what happens, right? Um, Setback regulations vary from state to state, from twice the height of a turbine to two kilometers. Setbacks for ports and military-controlled lands are typically larger. Some researchers, find, however, find that on average, wind turbines should be spaced two-thirds of a mile from each other for optimal efficiency, and others find that one to two, three acres are needed per turbine. That's, that's a ridiculous amount of space. 
and the footprint of energy, land use of U.S. electricity production. Strata policy found that wind power requires 70.64 acres per uh, megawatt and solar power requires 43.5 acres per megawatt. In contrast, natural gas-fired power plants require 12.4 watt acres per megawatt. This means solar power requires more than three and a half times more land per megawatt and wind requires more than five and a half times the amount of land per megawatt. So we're chewing up our land, right? All this nice green renewable energy, but we're taking up all the land to do this. What's happening to the farmland, all the farmers, right? Um, capacity factors. Winds do not blow at optimal speeds 24-7, 365 days of the year. They do not. At certain times, wind turbines may not produce electricity even when winds do blow. The speed at which wind, uh, most wind turbine blades start turning, known as the cut-in speed, typically ranges between 7 to 10 miles per hour. Um, so that's probably like 14 to 16 kilometers an hour, maybe. Uh, most turbines can produce their maximum rated power around 30 miles per hour, but that design speed is contingent upon the blades being new, clean, and without nicks or fractures from bird or bat impacts. When wind speeds are too high, turbine blades can lock into a stationary position to avoid damage, a condition that can occur between 35 and 55 miles an hour, known in the industry as the cut-out speed. According to the Energy Information um, in Administration, wind turbines in the United States perform at 34.6% of their nameplate rating or the intended full load capacity output. 34.6%. Similarly, solar units in the U.S. perform at 25.7% of their nameplate rating. This is in contrast to natural gas and coal units that can perform at 85% or more of their nameplate ratings and nuclear units that can perform at over 90% of their nameplate rating, meaning that the coal and natural gas and the nuclear units, they're 85 or 90% efficient versus solar and wind energy which is not even not even half, not even 50% efficient. They can't run it at 50% efficiency. Um, renewable subsidy, uh, subsidies, my bad. Despite the declining cost of wind and solar technologies, they depend on government subsidies and are not feasible without them. Look at our government right now. Do you think that we have enough money for like, more subsidies for wind and, and solar projects? And they're dishing out all this money for CERB and CESB and different uh, grants for businesses. And they've spent billions of dollars dishing out handouts. And now they want to, I mean, where are the subsidies coming from? Every time I go to work, I'm coming back, I'm getting a check. And I look at my taxes and my taxes are being cut higher, you know, increasing every time. So that's the result of, of what's happening out here. <clears throat> As Warren Buffett stated, we get a tax credit if we build a lot of wind farms. That's the only reason to build them. They don't make sense without the tax credit. Well, the subsidies are paid either by uh, electricity users or taxpayers, or many times both. We're paying, we're paying, paying, paying out of our pockets for this shit that, I mean, do a lot of people even want this? What, is, what do people in Alberta want? We want the gas, we want the oil, yet we're paying for this involuntarily. 
So that's, that's that must be happy for, uh, for people to know. People must be happy to hear stuff like that. Um, in the United States, the federal government subsidizes wind with the production tax credit and solar power with the investment tax credit. What, what happened when um, the UCP came into power in Alberta? I don't know if it was, this was directly because of them or because of the liberal government, but where did the carbon tax come from? You know, um, providing for us a new carbon tax, a rebate, a carbon tax rebate that doesn't exist anymore because they knew that it was a retarded idea. Um, based upon the fact that they were going to start charging tax for carbon use, right? Um, and, and yeah, and I'm glad that doesn't exist anymore, to be honest. Um, so in the States, the federal government subsidizes wind with the production tax credit and solar power with the investment tax credit. U.S. states subsidize solar and wind power with the mandates for their production, forcing utilities to invest in them or purchase their power, regardless of the cost or impact on grid stability. States also give net metering subsidies for rooftop solar. In Germany, ratepayers subsidize the renewable industry, which has resulted in residential uh, electricity prices three times those in the United States. That's what happens. And now people are seeing their electricity costs go up and the gas costs go up for their houses and wondering, man, why are these utility costs getting so much? You know, we're lucky that we don't pay utilities where I live at, but I know that all across the city, utilities are going up no matter where you, uh, whether you live in a house, an apartment, you know, if you live in an apartment, then your uh, property manager is paying those rising costs for utilities for electricity. Furthermore, the subsidies for intermittent wind and solar discourage other innovation because they lead to low wholesale prices for innovators to compete against. In essence, the subsidies force intermittent power into the system regardless of need. Do we need it? Not really. Doing so drives down the efficiency and economics of other sources of electricity, which consumers are required to pay for anyway in order to ensure the system does not break down and fail to deliver electricity to homes and businesses. So we pay for um, the new options regardless of whether we want them or not, and we continue to pay for the stuff that already exists because it all needs to be running and it all needs to be paid for by the taxpayer. Electricity prices. Um, says Germany and Denmark have been world leaders in wind and solar investment. From 2006 to 2016, prices of electricity in Germany increased 51%. And since 1995, electricity prices in Denmark have doubled as a result in, of wind and solar installation. This is great. This is awesome. What's going to happen to our country as a result of putting in all these wind farms and solar farms in about five to ten years? Um... You think our economy is fucked now? Just wait. In the United States, electricity prices increased 7% from 2009 to 2017, while electricity from solar and wind increased from 2 to 8% of generation. Um, in 2017, California generated 23% of electricity from wind and solar sources, and its residential electricity rates were 18 um, 0.24 cents per kilowatt hour, at least 40% higher than any other Western U.S. state because they were running more of its power off of wind and solar sources. <clears throat> in Alberta, we're moving away from the gas and the coal and all this and moving into the wind and the solar. Um, I'm sure there are people that are in the energy 
um, sector here and they can already see what's coming. They know how bad it's going to be. That's why people are running away from Alberta and going to BC and going to different provinces. Like Other states that have increased their use of solar and wind generation have also seen large increases in their electricity prices. Um, this is going to collapse our economy. <laughs> the U.S. Energy Information Administration reports North Dakota's electricity prices increased 40%, while electricity from solar and wind increased from 9 to 27%. That's how much they started using. So the amount that they started using it, they increased the usage from 9 to 27%, and then everybody's electricity prices increased 40%. There's a situation, there's a scenario where people who live in apartments now, if these costs start getting so, like, they just start rapidly rising too fast, um the property manager would then they might take out hey that we we don't have uh we'll pay for you utilities anymore they'll start putting it on the tenants to pay for their own utilities as the costs rise and rise and rise and um this is just going to have a bad effect on uh everybody i i predict south dakota's electricity prices increased 34 percent while electricity from solar and wind increased from five to thirty percent kansas uh, their electricity prices increased 33%, while electricity from solar and wind increased from 6 to 36%. Iowa, electricity prices increased 21%, while electricity from th- uh, solar and wind increased from 14 to 37%. In Oklahoma, their electricity prices increased 18%, while the electricity from solar and, and wind increased from 4 to 32%. So they weren't really using it before, and then they, they bumped it up and look at their electricity prices. Hawaii's electricity prices increased 23%. They started using it more uh, from three to 18%. And then California, as electricity prices increased 22%, while um, the electricity from solar and wind increased from three to 23%. So obviously, um, in all one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those examples, you can see that there has been a negative outcome every time for the people, for the taxpayers. A UK analysis of 3,000 onshore wind turbines found that they generate energy efficiently for only 12 to 15 years, generating more than twice as much electricity in the first year than when they are 15 years old. Even when faced with the data, the wind energy, the wind energy industry and the government based their calculations on turbines having a lifespan of 30 years. Thus, the cost of wind is being underestimated, particularly when their costs are compared to other technologies, right? This is going to, I don't know, this is going to just, this is going to have irreparable damage. (laughs) Um, Cost of transition to 100% renewables. So this is going to speak about how much it would cost to actually um, transform our whole system to 100% renewable energy. It's impossible. According to an analysis by the American Action Forum, the proposal to transition 100% of U.S.'s electricity production to renewable sources by 2030, which is right, 2030 is a big date. 2030 is a very important date. It keeps being mentioned. Why? For the Agenda 21 goals, for the U.N.'s Sustainable Development Goals to be completed by 2030. Life is going to be fucked by 2030. Um, A lot of people are going to suffer in order for the U.N. to get what they want. And I'm going to continue speaking on this. Um, So 
to, in order for this to happen by 2030, they would require at least 5.7 trillion of investment in renewable energy and storage. This is a ballpark estimate and not an in-depth projection and may not include all the contingencies necessary to make the system work. The group also notes that it is likely to be a significant underestimation as it reflects the lowest possible cost. I mean, where are they going to find $6 trillion at the lowest price point? That's how much this is going to cost to to try and do this. Where is this money coming from? People will... You know, I don't even want to speak on that, how, how bad it's going to be for some people, because um, this is happening. The um, the sustainable development goals are going ahead no matter what. Right. The U.N. wants to see a, a more sustainable world by 2030. What does that actually mean in terms of, of uh, for the people? Right. Assumptions of the analysis include that the United States would use solar power during the day and wind power during the night. For the hours in the day where neither solar nor wind produce their stated capacity due to capacity factors of these electricity sources, a mixture of hydroelectricity and storage is used. Um, the U.S. builds the entirety of all potential hydroelectricity sources, something which would be extremely controversial with environmentalists and time-consuming well beyond 2030. There's no way they can get the construction done that fast. Um, storage costs associated with batteries is their average operation and maintenance costs rather than rather than the significantly higher cost of batteries that can discharge a lot of electricity quickly and repeatedly repeatedly throughout the day it says also that electricity demand is roughly flat rather than demand spiking during afternoon hours and there is no increase in the price of wind solar hydroelectricity or storage despite the fact that demand for all these sources would skyrocket due to such policy (laughs) um the current electricity generating capacity of the united states is 1085 gigawatts which provides enough capacity to satisfy peak electricity demands plus reserve capacity which acts as a safety net in the event of supply disruptions equipment failures or their issues that prevent generation from meeting demand to maintain an available capacity of 1,085 gigawatts, the United States would need to have well over 1,085 gigawatts of solar, wind, and hydroelectricity in storage because of the low capacity factors. And we remember these numbers for solar, 25.7%, and wind, 34.6%. That's how much capacity they can use. They can't use it at 100% capacity, no 50% capacity, not even 80%. Right. They're spending so much fucking money on, on creating these things and building these wind farms and creating these solar farms. But they can't even use them at half the capacity, you know, and they're saying that they're efficient and 100 percent, all this kind of stuff. So now the reason that I even um, went into this article or spoke about this is to argue against the person who was speaking to me um, on my post and talking about the fact that they're invested. Uh, they've you know, they've taken stocks on a lot of new renewable energy companies i would say to him now he should look i mean if he has a long game plan look even longer ahead and look at how long these these companies are um gonna be what's the word um money um positive i guess i could say right based upon everything i've just read wind and, and solar energy are not efficient as they say and to build them the cost to the taxpayer right that's that's why i'm really speaking about it because this is going to have um suffering consequences on on the people 
if it's got more data we're not finished yet there's more there's two more uh areas factors here it's got construction materials so manufacturing wind turbines is a resource intensive process a typical wind turbine contains more than 8,000 different components many of which are made from steel cast iron and concrete so these things are renewable but um it's like it's it's, it's uh, no problem to have to go and get a whole bunch of steel cast iron concrete these things are renewable are they uh, one component is magnets made from uh, neodymium. I fucked that up. Neodymium, neodymium, and dysprosium, rare earth metals mined almost exclusively in China. Yeah, I don't think we ever have heard those uh, over here. They don't talk about those ones in, in high school, do they? Um, which control most of the world's supply. China controls most of the world's supply. Then film solar panels use rare earth metals like indium and tellurium those are easier to say converting the world's largest economy to renewable energy would vastly increase demand overnight for these materials it would also shift the united states self-reliance on electricity generation to reliance on chinese and other suppliers meaning that they would already give the keys to china in order to be the the biggest world power in order to provide the um what they need to run these these power facilities the rare earth metals that can only be found exclusively almost exclusively in china this is a bad deal um unless countless new mines were started in the u.s to develop the copper for electric motor windings and the strategic and critical rare earth metals that are essential to these technologies the united states would be much more dependent on china for these materials than the united states was ever dependent on the middle east for oil can you imagine? They would bow down before China, uh, before the horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing revolution came along. Without the use of fossil fuels, the wind and solar industries would also need to obtain subsidies or substitutes for the cement and steel needed for producing and installing the turbines and solar panels. Further, it is not clear whether enough rare earth metals are available to build all their required units, particularly in the time frame of the Green New Deal. You know, we have 10 years and really now we got nine. Two months left in this year, less than two months and then nine years left to, to accomplish this. Um, I don't think that there's enough of this rare earth metal to build enough of these uh, solar farms and wind farms. And it just, it just does not seem um, viable for the future. Sustainable, that's the word that I'm looking for. My friend on social media who has his stocks invested in some of these companies to see whether they are sustainable for the long term. That's the thing. So in the conclusion, it says that intermittent wind and solar cannot stand on their own. They do not. They're not efficient enough to at all. They must have some form of backup power from a reliable core, uh, sorry, reliable coal, natural gas, nuclear units, storage capil- uh, capacity um, from hydroelectric, uh, hydroelectric. Let me try that over. They must have some form of backup power from reliable coal, natural gas, nuclear units, storage capability from hydroelectric facilities and or batteries. 
Batteries of the size and scope needed for 100% renewables are unproven and not cost-effective. Even if 100% renewable future were feasible, the land requirements and cost of transitioning would be enormous and would require subsidies to ease the electricity price uh, increases that would result. Germany's experience of phasing out its nuclear plant in favor of wind and solar projects should be taken out as a warning against the lucrativeness of this undertaking. And I would, I'm going to look into that, what happened to Germany, how, how it's going in their country to be trying to transition to this plan and how much it's costing them and costing its people and the rising electricity costs. Um, electricity is not something with which to trifle. We take it for granted in the world's richest and most advanced economy that things will work when we want them to work. But a 100% renewable plan would put that in jeopardy. The various pr- pronouncements that Ghibli uh, pedal reliance on wind and solar energy should be met with demands for verifiable in-depth analysis of how to do it. No such analysis has yet been delivered, and that's important. No such analysis has yet been delivered for how to um, efficiently deliver solar and wind energy. People should not be so reliant on this. People shouldn't think, be thinking that this is the future and that our country is going to be in a better position as a result, right? Or that people won't suffer, that the economy will not collapse because as we've been depending on oil and gas the whole time, why why move away from oil and gas now, right? And I'm in the last eight seconds, and so we'll speak again soon. guys this is the uh the last segment here with me decided i'm gonna wrap it up with this this next article just because i've got so much information and at some point your stuff can become diluted by the fact that you're just going into information and information and you know people want the facts uh in a timely manner not taking up their whole day right so i think this is one is important to to speak on just because of the fact that people love to people love to um, claim that Donald is a racist that the Republican Party is a party that promotes racism and division and all these kinds of things Um, the reason that I want to speak to this particularly is because of the number of my own family different people, different black people that went on social media and proclaiming Biden and ha 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 laughing about the fact that Trump lost. And I'm not sure if they even understand what this really means for the economic landscape, the futures. Why why are they celebrating um, a presidential candidate that is part of a party that has a history of racism and prejudice and, and bias? Like This is exactly what this article is going to talk about. I don't know if it's got all the info in it, but it'll basically deface and maybe just make, um, especially black people think about the fact that, you know, we shouldn't, if, you know, I, I watched, it's always these videos that I watch that I always have the information, but um, I have one with me, the one that I was referencing earlier in the show, actually, that I'm going to play for you guys a little bit so that you guys can hear this inside operative speak about the election about the fact that Donald knew what was going to happen in the election 
um, and that this is none of this should be a surprise, right? It's all part of the show. Um, anyways, you are about to hear how the Republican Party is not the racist party and how the Democratic Party has been known to be that party, said racist party. In just a second here, a couple moments, because as you know, gotta have my medicine. Like, I wonder if calling it that makes it seem like I'm sick, right? No. I just think maybe it sounds more professional than like weed or marijuana, cannabis, even though those are okay words. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, this article, The Party of Enduring Racism, Bias, and Prejudice, written by Jeff Davidson back in October of this year. So this is also relevant and recent in terms of the time. It's not something that's old. Um... And he put it on Town Hall. So if you want to find this, it's on townhall.com. That's the uh, news source that he uh, he put this on. So for three years and without evidence, the New York Times falsely claimed that Donald Trump's presidential campaign colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election. Therefore, uh, thereafter, their hopelessly biased executive editor, Dean Bouquet, decided to switch gears. After the Mueller report imploded at Beckett's direction, the Times was shifted its focus on, of its coverage from the Trump-Russia affair to the president's alleged racism. So this is all, you know, it's agendas, right? Agendas based upon what they're trying to accomplish or a certain person's um, feelings or emotions about different things. This is all based on agenda. It's not because this is right or wrong. <coughs> he says... We built our newsroom to cover one story, and we did it truly well, Biquette said, apparently unaware of the historically profound idiocy of his statement. Now we have to regroup and shift resources and emphasis to take on a different story. Through daily bogus reporting, the newspaper of record would now seek to expose the racism of Donald Trump and America in general. And our writer here uh, goes on to see that uh, this is a myth for all time. A huge myth from 93 to 96% of American media is controlled by leftists considering book and magazine publishing major newspapers internet tech giants television etc the left dominates in our schools Hollywood and popular culture the only domains in which the right has dominance are radio so this is really good for me right radio and broadcasting is supported by right-wing people I'm a right-wing person I'm like, this is like the only hope that I have out here. And perhaps YouTube and blogging. It's interesting that these areas are supported by right-wing people. Everything else that is made to, that that is basically, you know, the cornerstones of society. You got the left and, and education and um, the media and, and books, like magazine published. Everything that people actually pay attention to is where the lefts are. So this is, they influence people's perception, people influence people's emotions, and they can show them anything. They can feed them any kind of garbage and have people eating this up. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's just a show. 
an enduring Democrat myth propagated for decades and wrapped up since Donald Trump became president is that the Republican Party is racist. Democrats are able to maintain this myth in part because they dominate public uh, discourse and because most Americans daily are concerned with making a living and, uh, living and caring for their families, not with scrutinizing history. <clears throat> so it's almost like my goal on this show to scrutinize history. Jeez. Uh, Joe Biden tells the Charlottesville fine people lie at every appearance, despite video footage to the contrary and Trump's 20-plus denunciation of white supremacist groups. So Trump's gone on record to try and um, uh, abolish any association between him and the and these white supremacist groups. They always talk about praising him, but he's never on camera talking about, oh, I love these white supremacist groups. Like Even a cursory review of American history, however, starting with Abraham Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, and the Emancipation Proclamation reveals that it is the Democrat Party that has practiced and still exhibits fiery racist behavior. Who formed the Confederate States of America? Was it Republicans? No, it was Southern Democrats. President Lincoln, the 16th in U.S. history, was shot and killed while watching a play Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. on April 14, 1865 by John Wilkes Booth. Lincoln was 56, had just been re-elected to his second term, and along with millions of other Americans was celebrating the end of the U.S. Civil War, which occurred on April 9th. Wilkes, a leading actor of that era, was not a Democrat, but was sympathetic to the Democrats and their opposition to Lincoln. Why did they not like Lincoln? Because he was a Republican. <clears throat> so, the Don Civil Rights, who murdered John F. Kennedy, the 36th, President of the U.S. in Dallas on November 22, 1963, unquestionably, Lee Harvey Oswald, acting alone, shot and killed JFK. This is explained in intricate detail by Gerald Posner in his land book, uh, landmark book, Case Closed, in 1993. Mr. Posner dislodged every conceivable stone in reaching for his conclusion after illuminating Posner's work in a 25 page feature in its publication, U.S. News and World Report declared it would never review another book on the topic because the case is closed. Oswald was a leftist who viewed communism favorably and espoused Marxist uh, theory. Hesitantly, JFK championed civil rights. He ordered his attorney general to submit friends of the court briefs on behalf of civil rights litigants. He appointed African-Americans to positions within his administration. The left don't like that shit. He selected Thurgood Marshall for the Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York. He backed voter registration drives. In a second term, JFK, influenced by Martin Luther King Jr., was contemplating civil rights legislation, and the left did not like this. Who murdered Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on April 14, uh, April 4, 1968? James Earl Ray, a Southern segregationist, assassinated MLK in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. Ray, who fled to England, was subsequently captured. In summary, the murderers of Lincoln, Kennedy, and King were all politically left, and certainly not Republicans. They were Democrats. Lincoln, Kennedy, and King, each of whom had great potential for expanding the rights and acceptance of African Americans, were cut down in their prime. That's important. In their prime. Um, <clears throat> right now, they're trying to cut uh, Trump down in his prime. You know, went right when he was about to take the second term by a landslide, supposedly. 
Uh, next point, a sordid history. So prior to the Civil War and for 27 months past the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, who owned slaves? Uh, Democrats, Republicans, with a few exceptions, did not own slaves. Who lynched at least 5,400 uh, 5, blacks from 1882 to 1968, primarily through the South, with the annual peak occurring in the late 1800s when one party acted to enforce white supremacy? In a word, Democrats, who created the Ku Klux Klan, Pontifex, uh, Politifax say back in the mid-19th century, various clans in the South acted as a strong arm for many local democratic politicians. A Confederate general, believed to be the KKK's first Grand Dragon, even spoke at the 1868 Democratic National Convention, saying democratic, uh, Democrats didn't launch the KKK, but they played along. So they were hand in hand, right? Who blocked and delayed women's suffrage? For some 79 years at the critical times it was democrats what does that mean it means that for almost 80 years democrats didn't want females to vote <clears throat> yet i got somebody jumping on here commenting on my statuses about the democrat party and well i mean this is this is crazy this is why i want people to study history to look at the the information and then to come and, and talk like who stood at the doorway of high schools and institutions of higher learning and said to African Americans, you may not attend, Democrats, who interned Japanese American citizens during World War II for three years, President Franklin Roosevelt, a Democrat. So Democrats have enough, I think, um, stuff that you can find and, and say that, well, this is racist, right? The part of racism, bias, and prejudice. Um, Malcolm X once noted, both parties are racist, and the Democratic Party is more racist than, a, than the Republican Party. What would prompt this learned man with vast experience in politics and racial prejudice to make such a statement? <clears throat> For 200 plus years, Democrats have revealed their racism, bias, and prejudice, yet with the Democrat-controlled mainstream media, which party is cast as being racist and biased? So because the Democrats control the media, who do they talk about most being racist and biased and uh, decisive, divisive, um, hating women, all this kind of stuff? The Republicans, Trump, all they put on the media is him talking about grabbing the girls by the pussy and um, people see that all day and then people go and start getting mad. And whenever I have an in, uh, interaction with a, um, a Trump hater and it's a female, the first thing they say is, Trump said grab females by the pussy and all this kind of stuff and coming out of the emotion, but <clears throat> um, they don't want to talk about the Democratic Party being racist. They don't want to speak about the fact that the media is controlled and they feed you these things for a reason. Um, throughout time, Republicans have not always acted as saints, but they can't hold a candle in our society to the Democrat Party when it comes to racism, bias, and prejudice. Right? And that's, that's how it works. I didn't even know how much of the media was controlled by the lefts. Um, but everything, it, it all just makes sense, right? It all comes together to um, give meaning to everything that's happening right now, to the, the attacks that have been coming at Trump since he took office, since he's been trying to improve the United States, and the effect that it's had on the market, the free market, the stock market, and the forex market, right? Places where 
a lot of us are actually involved. And part of the conversation that I was having with an individual on my Facebook is that <clears throat> Biden comes into presidency, right? The biggest worry about um, Biden being in power and really having Kamala Harris pretty much be the president is that um, it's been reported that the Democrats right now, they have really, they're pretty, they're, they're speculative of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency of that whole um, Forex market. They're not sure what to think of it. But traditionally, right, they're not really um, open for free trade and less tax and less government involvement. They want more government involvement and more tax and more government hands in your pockets. Um, people should be concerned about the stuff that I was saying about the electricity costs rising, the environmental, uh, you know, implications of having all these solar and wind um, projects here. Despite the fact that right now, literally, my job I'm gaining from having a, a, a wind farm being built right now, yet it's going to have costly effects on our economy, on our society, on Alberta as a whole later on. I mean, this is crazy shit. And I could continue. I could speak upon certain things. I could talk about the different uh, party platforms and relate them to each other and speak about one why one is better than the other. But I think that I've covered enough information. <clears throat> and I'm excited again to start bringing people on here to start having um, speakers, other voices to voice their opinions and to have healthy debates, to be objective. Um, and that, uh, you know, as we head into Monday, we don't know what the week's going to look like. The snow continues to blow. The wind continues to blow. And, uh, you know, I pray again for people that are outside, the homeless people, uh, for people on the road, people still stuck in the ditch, and um, people that somehow have to make it to work in the morning. Um, we're going to see how this goes. And y'all have yourselves a good night. Keep on floating. This is Martian UFO, and this is floating in space. Hello again, guys. Good evening. This is Martian UFO on floating in space november the 9th 2020 it's uh it's a dark night you know getting ready for bed here pretty much about to wind down but before i do that as promised this is the part four and closing um closing to my whole u.s election aftermath episode and which i promised that i was going to play a video involving a um, U.S. insider uh, to the Republican Party speaking about um, an election sting operation that was ran by the Republican Party uh, for them to know that there was actually fraud that happened in the election and that the Democrats ran fraud. And um, <clears throat> that's why I was explaining that this week we're going to see um, how really um, you're not going to see Donald leaving the White House. As I said, you're not going to see Biden entering the White House. You're going to see the matters go to Supreme Court. They're probably going to recount the ballots, and this thing is going to take a long time. They're going to hold out on people. 
in order to make them antsy and crazy and all this but anyways um this is just proof i guess you know my my source information not all of it but some material to show that it's not just bullshit that i actually go and look out for information and i'm sure that people have probably some people might have seen this video this is on bitchute speaking about dr steve bichenik um and yeah let's get into it this is really a sting operation contrary to what everybody else said trump knew this was happening eric knew this was happening and warned the public i knew this was happening however i could not say anything about it what happened was we marked watermark every ballot with what's called the qfs block chain encryption code in other words we know pretty well where every ballot is where it went and who has it so this is not a stone election on the contrary we reversed the entire game of war along the lines of sun tzu the art of war and trump was brilliant and still is brilliant at it that's beautiful by the, the reason way. he hasn't been seen and alex correctly said oh i haven't seen him in several days well in the art of the war you pull back allow your enemy to make all the mistakes that they are making manipulate the situation expose them and then come in for the final killing and that's what's happening now none of this was unexpected all of this was expected all of this is part of the sting operation we're running the greatest battle in the history of humanity is happening right now don't sit on the sidelines take action now the fight starts at infowars.com dr steve pachenik is on with me I have no doubt that Donald Trump won this election in a landslide. Yes. The likes of which we'll never really know the final numbers. I think he probably even broke Barack Obama's record in the popular vote, but we'll never know with all the votes that got flipped by the machines, all the Trump ballots that were burned, all the fake Biden ballots and everything. But Dr. Steve Pachenik, uh, as we're in the middle of this, the election's over. We're now in the stealing process of the election. Uh, what are you seeing? What's going through your mind as you're witnessing this gigantic hoax? Number one, it's not a hoax. What's happening now, the reason I couldn't come on the Alex Jones show last night was I was not given the permission that I needed to in order to say what I'm about to say now. I do not work for the federal government. I'm not paid by it. Let me just say again what I said in 2016. There are honorable members of our intelligence, military, and civilian community in the government who understood exactly how corrupt Biden and the democratic machinery is, was, and will be. This is really a sting operation. Contrary to what everybody else said, Trump knew this was happening. Eric knew this was happening and warned the public. I knew this was happening. However, I could not say anything about it. What happened was we marked, watermarked every ballot with what's called the QFS block chain encryption code. In other words, we know pretty well where every ballot is, where it went, and who has it. So this is not a stone election. On the contrary, 
we reversed the entire game of war along the lines of Sun Tzu, the art of war. And Trump was brilliant and still is brilliant at it. The reason he hasn't been seen, and Alex correctly said, oh, I haven't seen him in several days. Well, in the art of the war, you pull back, allow your enemy to make all the mistakes that they are making, manipulate the situation, expose them, and then come in for the final killing. And that's what's happening now. None of this was unexpected. All of this was expected. All of this is part of the sting operation we're running. And let me tell you that 48 hours ago, not only did we put markers on those ballots, but I can say now, with the permission of people in the intelligence community and elsewhere, that we have sent out thousands and thousands of National Guards to 12 different states, Washington, Delaware, Texas, Arizona, Alabama, and everywhere. So now you have to consider and rethink what this is really about. The genius of Trump is that he is able to pull back at any point and manipulate the opponent without the opponent ever realizing. He has said repeatedly, hashtag steal the vote. That's exactly what he has said for months. Then he made a very clear implication. He said, I will use common sense or my intelligence, i.e. both literal and figurative intelligence. And those of us in the intelligence community, be it who they are, again, what I said in 2016, when we exposed Hillary Clinton, we now exposed, and it was Trump who initiated this, Biden family. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden, Frank, the whole family was played right into a game where they were convicted and you're seeing what's happening now. What was not announced was that we watermarked all the ballots with what I said at QFS blockchain, which is a very hard encryption code to break. And the second thing is we sent is that probably 20,000 or more National Guards 48 hours ago, none of it was reported, and I thank the press for not reporting it and others. So what in fact is happening is you're seeing a sophisticated sting operation that was initiated by Trump. I'm just a lowly peasant in this game, and honestly, I was informed that I could say something about it today only last night. That's why I could not come out. Well, you so just this is the reverse of what you guys have been thinking. It's not a civil war. We have not been surprised. I just want to pause it for a second and say something. <clears throat> because Dr. Steve Pachanik just said something very important, very key there. He said that he's just a lonely peasant in this game, um, i.e. the rest of us, um, all the citizens of the um, North American continent, Canada, the United States, we're all just peasants in the game. It is a game. It's a show, like I said, to um, arouse people's emotions and to get people roused up, to um, spread fear and to have uh, division and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was I was a part of it, right? Getting emotional on Facebook and all that kind of stuff, like I said. But here's the thing. Um, the show's not over. So all this it's going to be hard to kind of ignore for the next little while because it's going to be a part of our lives concerning um 
you know, as I said, what America does, Canada follows. If they lock down, we lock down as well. But let me continue playing as about four minutes left. And uh, I think the rest of it is probably beneficial as well. Anyway, this has been a setup by Trump for a long, long time. In the same way that we knew about Hillary Clinton, I warned about the coup that we, we would do a counter coup. And this is our counter coup again against the Bidens. And that's exactly what we expect. The corruption in the mail, the corruption in USPS, with corruption with the Democrats everywhere and anywhere. There was no surprise here. And that's why we deployed National Guard soldiers to 12 different states. Steve, you've just broken certainly perhaps the biggest news since the election here on this show. Uh, I have to play this out logically in my head. I love you, Steve. I'd kiss you on the lips right now if it wasn't digitally. But uh, hmm. too many people watching us. <laughs> we're open like that. We're tolerant. But, but Steve, following your logic here, I mean, are arrests inevitably coming down the road? Yeah. They're coming not just down the road, they're being implemented. What you saw Corey Wendowski and Beyondi seeing when they were in Clay County and as well in Philadelphia, that was not just a threat. That was exactly what's going to happen. People will be arrested as of tonight, tomorrow, and it will go on for quite a while. And this was a total sting operation that I can say. So I explain anybody else yes, well, I have the permission to say it I do not deal with classified information as you know I do not work for our government but because I'm loyal to the republic and I work with a lot of people who are loyal to this republic including the 16 intelligence services secret service our civilian service they've all been great and they've kept it quiet and I've been given the permission to say what I just said I have nothing more to say, but this is not a surprise here. This is the biggest sting operation probably in our country that we've ever had. Well, and it would, be, it, it would be the genius of Trump, but, but Steve, I got to ask in the last minute 45 here to kind of hone in. So how is this watermark on the ballots? What is the significance of that as to is it going to stop from fake ballots being counted or, or how is that going to be used? Well, we use it in any way that we need to use it in terms of counting, knowing which ones were fake, which ones were not. It's a very sophisticated code. So if you just throw them away, these are cyber communication uh, implementations that we have the code for. We know exactly what was thrown away. We know exactly what was placed. We know exactly who has it, and we know exactly where it went. I can't go any further than that. Wow, this is uh, huge news that Steve Pachenik is breaking on our show right now. For me to reiterate, I guess in my own words, President Trump and his administration and friendlies inside the White House in D.C. have launched a sting operation knowing this Democrat fraud was coming. And, you know, Steve, you said Trump's been talking about this for months. Months, actually. It's really been years. This is from President Trump on October 10th, 2012. He said, it doesn't matter who you vote for. It matters who is counting the votes. End quote. Yes. Be careful of voter fraud. So he's obviously known about this forever. I mean, is this the genius of Trump playing out? I mean, long term? Yeah. Trump is far more brilliant than people understood. I knew about Trump. I don't personally work for him and I, I don't feel personally with him, but he knows that I've known him for well over 30 to 40 years when he built 
ice skating rinks for free. And I had my children go there, and he was very gracious to New York and to the United States. So there we are. And um, for reference, the show that he was speaking about was News Wars on the website infowars.com a conspiracy website yes and um i'm gonna go ahead and be transparent to be fair right and say that all of this could be bullshit the video could be bullshit the whole website could be bullshit it could just be something again another form of media to rouse people up to stir people's emotions and to get people to um side one way against uh, another group of people right but if it's not then this is very important for people to i guess to hear to understand to know that this is not over it's not just uh you know square cut election just like that biden won he didn't i i think i agree with what the um the interviewer said in the beginning saying that he thinks that Trump actually won by a landslide and we'll never actually know it, right? We'll never know what the, the final vote was, I think. Anyways, <clears throat> Dr. Steve Pachenik, he talked a lot and I think he he offered up a lot of jargon and probably stuff that was there to confuse people because when he went into the watermark um, topic, he wasn't very specific on how they were using that encryption to to know what was going on. Or maybe that's info that he can't really give up to people. But um, I will say that it's going to be interesting to see what happens, whether people are, are paying attention or not. Um, at some point, uh, I don't think there will be a choice anymore. This is going to be like front street mainstream news on everybody's TV, on your phone, every time you even look at a social media app, because pretty soon, um, the people down there in the streets, right, they're going to start riding again and fighting and, um, yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy time with the election, but that was just my offering of opinion of my, um, like, you know, mainly a lot of opinions, you know, I talked about a lot of things about the Democrats and the racism and all of that, but I hope people enjoy this offering you know, again, keep floating in space, keep floating, take care of yourselves and your family. It's about to snow again tomorrow. It's about to be Tuesday, November the 10th. We're, we're speeding through this month. It's about to be December. So um, try and enjoy the time that you're, you're living here, I guess. And um, have a good night. Take care. And yes, this is Martian UFO.